In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our good news this morning, beloved, is this. In stark relief, the passion of Jesus Christ reveals to us the horror of what we've done to the world, to each other, and to ourselves. And in the same moment, reveals the depths of God's love for us and the potency of God's power to save us. Beloved, we are more broken than we imagine, and we are more loved than we can fathom. Behold the man upon the cross. The cross reveals that our own best efforts, on our own, our best efforts are ultimately spiritually bankrupt because we're subject to evil and death. We're filled with fear that propels us to the most tragic of ironies. Our best ideas and our best efforts to achieve security and goodness for ourselves and those we love is to kill the one who comes to save us from death. It's the best we can do. The collect for the third Sunday of Lent that we read a few weeks ago puts it very succinctly. We have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Our best idea at the end of the day to find life for ourselves is to kill the source of life. But in the cross, God turns that irony inside out into a deeper irony. The very act whereby we reveal the depths of our own brokenness and sin is the means by which God saves us. The cross reveals that God's healing love for us and for all creation is greater than our brokenness and sin. The cross reveals a God who becomes what God loves, providing for us, protecting us, and pursuing us all the way to death and hell in order to heal us, forgive us, and bring us back into communion. The cross reveals a God who refuses to give up on us, no matter how many times we turn away. And as the Collect for Tuesday of Holy Week, which is coming up, says, By the passion of your blessed Son, you made an instrument of shameful death to be for us the means of life. Incidentally, there's lots of great theology in the Collects. I highly recommend reading them throughout the week. And the fun, th fun fact about Collects, there's a different Collect for each day of Holy Week and each day of Easter week. And so over the next two weeks, you have a new prayer that you could pray every single day. Not just the same old prayer we pray on Sunday. So isn't that fun? All right. <laughs> All right. A little bit of a church nerd. Maybe that's not fun for you, but anyway. But beloved, this is the gospel. This is the gospel that we proclaim. That on the cross, God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to God. Many of us, though, have grown up with, or maybe, or heard, or just uh, absorbed a version of the story of the cross that still rattles around in our souls and causes great harm to our faith. So I just want to name it explicitly, because when we hear this story, it can dredge up, perhaps, this old story that isn't quite gospel. It isn't quite good enough news. In this version of the story that many of us have rattling around in our souls, the primary problem that we have is legal guilt 
before God's law, for which we deserve to be punished by God's wrath. And because of our guilt, God has turned away from us. And in this version of the story, Jesus saves us by taking God's wrath on our behalf and we're given a get-out-of-jail-free card so God can once again be in fellowship with us. But only because we are clothed with Christ's righteousness, which essentially means that we're protected from God's wrath that's ready to break out in punishment the moment a whiff of sin is detected. Does anybody resonate with this? Did you grow up with this kind of version of the story? But beloved, it's a distortion of the gospel and dare I say, it blasphemes God's character and harms our souls to think this way about God. God doesn't turn away from us when we sin. God pursues us to save us from the effects of sin, which is namely that we are now subject to death. That's our problem. Our primary problem is that we broke the rules and need to be punished now. Our primary problem is that we drank poison and we're going to die now. So in the fullness of time, God sends the Son to take on our nature to heal our nature. The Word becomes flesh in order to draw out the poison and save us from death. So notice, Jesus doesn't come to solve a problem God has, that He can't look upon sin and He can't forgive sin. He's got to punish sinners, even though he doesn't want to. No, Jesus comes to solve a problem we have. We're subject to death. We turn away from God. We foolishly chase after things that will never give life, but we think they will. And God comes to us to turn us around and say, no, come back to me. I will heal you. I will forgive you. I will draw you back into communion with me. Jesus doesn't save us from God. In Jesus, God saves us from death. Jesus doesn't come to make it possible for God to forgive us. Jesus reveals the forgiving God who has come to save us. Amen? All right. This is the gospel. This is the place where our sin is most clearly revealed. It becomes a place of forgiveness for us. The instrument of shame and death becomes the way of healing and life. That as we walk in the way of the cross, we find it none other than the way of life and peace. Which is a line from another one of the collects for Holy Week, by the way. Yeah, fun fact. Beloved, our good news is this, that in stark relief, the passion of Jesus Christ reveals the horror of what we've done to the world, what we've done to each other, and what we've done to ourselves. We are the disciples in this story. We're a hot mess, thinking we're ready to die with Jesus, but unable to stay awake for even a few hours. And ultimately, despite our best intention, our fear gets the best of us, and we betray and abandon Jesus. We are the religious and the political leaders, lying to curry favor with those more powerful than we are, scheming to preserve and advance our own status, fearing suffering and loss above all else and willing to do anything to avoid it. Beloved, we are the crowds caught up in the spectacle of scapegoating, mocking, and violence, just trying to fit in, trying not to stand out too much, trying to carve out a life for ourselves. But in the same moment, the passion of Jesus Christ 
reveals something else. As we embrace and see this bitter truth, the passion of Jesus reveals the depths of God's love for us and the potency of God's power to save us. In response to all of this brokenness and sin and evil and violence, Jesus does not retaliate, does not call down legions of angels to protect himself, does not call down fire from heaven to burn up his enemies and vindicate his righteousness. Instead, Jesus on the cross absorbs our violence and empties it of its power, allowing himself to be scapegoated so that through the death of the human one upon the cross, evil is destroyed and we are saved from death. Beloved, we are more broken than we imagine and we are more loved than we can fathom. Behold the man upon the cross. Let's respond to this good news today by naming the bitter truth the cross reveals about us, confessing our sins together, lamenting and repenting of our entanglement in systems of violence, fear, and evil, the same systems that brought about the death of the Son of God. And so I invite you this morning to confess whatever you are most aware of. Perhaps it's the brokenness and evil of our world. For example, the mammon-fueled apathy toward gun violence that we saw last week as six people were slain at a school in Nashville. Perhaps it's the fear and violence you find in your own heart, impatience, irritability, pride or envy, contempt or despair. And as we confess, let us remember this good news that the passion of Jesus Christ reveals the horror of what we've done to the world, to ourselves, to one another. And in the same moment, it reveals the depths of God's love for us and the potency of God's power to save us. Remember that though we are more broken than we imagined, we are also more loved than we could ever fathom. Behold the man upon the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.